0: For me, it's unquestionably the originality of it. We didn't invent packrafting. I'll never make that claim, but yeah. it was a like the smallest of unknown sports out there. But rather than jumping into an existing large industry and just being like, oh, we're going to be the next manufacturer of you know waterproof, breathable jackets ground up yeah. when we started there was nobody commercially making these things mm. and we've turned it into a new sport and that wow. feels really yeah. exciting
1: welcome to ProCo 360. I'm your host Dave Tabor. This show is for people who love Colorado and who are fascinated with stories of Colorado companies and their leaders. Success looks different here. Our lives are multidimensional, and that's why the tagline is live, work, love Colorado. In this episode, I'm on the road and speaking with Thor Tinge, CEO of Alpaca Rafts, and Sherry Tingey, the founder and mother of the CEO. This is a Mangus Colorado-based company making pack rafts, lightweight inflatable rafts and kayaks that are the standards of the industry. These are packable rafts that have been on expeditions all around the world. Think backcountry Alaska and so forth. We'll talk about how the product was conceived and how it became a successful standout in an outdoor industry niche it helped create. Before we jump in, let me give a big thank you to our Durango studio hosts, 92.9 The Point, to Stephanie Schnur at the Holiday Inn Hotel and Suites Durango. She's putting me up. And to Jack Llewellyn, head of the Durango Chamber of Commerce for making these introductions and for handling the logistics. So back to Thor and Sherry. Thanks for being here.
0: Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you. Barely um, made it over. I
1: know you barely made it over. They were sharing with me that one of a good thing you guys you came in separate cars because Thor, you lost your drivetrain on the way up here.
0: Yeah, the, the uh, drive shaft broke. That's the first time I've ever seen that happen on a car, but uh, it uh-huh. definitely stops you exactly where you are. at. Right,
1: and it creates a fire that you may or may not have to put out. So yeah, exactly. I'm, glad, I'm glad you made it. As I mentioned to them, uh, this is a different kind of adventure than maybe alpaca rafts is used to. So uh, really glad you made it. Let's start with alpaca rafts. I've been on your website. You guys have such cool product. What problem specifically were you trying to solve that led to this, the creation of, of your product?
0: Well, this really goes back to kind of the, uh, the first thing that I ever did. I was a student at Colorado College in the late 1990s, and they had a grant program for students to go on wilderness travel, and you had to do about a two-week trip. And even though I grew up in Alaska and did all of these backcountry things. I didn't really know what to apply for a grant. And so Sherry, my mom and my dad told me, oh, you should talk to this well-known Alaska adventure named Roman Dial. And so I meet Roman and he says, you have to try this sport called packrafting. Hmm. And at the time there may be 10 people in the world who hmm. packraft. Hmm. And he lays it out for me. Basically it's a lightweight one man inflatable that you put carry in a backpack. And when you get to a river, then you can float. And so he tells me this route in the alaska range it's about 175 miles takes about two two weeks to do hmm. and so myself and four Colorado college classmates do this trip and we, i say well what what's pack and what do i do for a boat and he said oh ha. well that um ha. you really want this boat called the sherpa which was made in the 1980s by hmm. sherpa snowshoe company hmm. and only a few people ever bought them and i have one so my friends have one but we wouldn't loan you one or hmm. sell you one because they're too valuable. Wow. They're not made anymore. So you're going to have to go down to Kmart or Walmart or Cabela's and buy this boat called the Sevler Trailboat, which is yeah. literally a vinyl...
1: I know that brand. Yeah, it's just basic <laughs> vinyl. It's fine for a little
0: lake, like, you know, yeah. drive up to a lake and paddle around and try to yeah. catch a fish, but Alaska backcountry, not yeah. really worthy. So, but sure enough, five of us go and buy Sevler Trailboats, and we settle on this 175-mile adventure and... We, we, we did it, we made it, but we had epic raft failures. We had hypothermia, we had two-foot-long tears Whoa. in the rafts. So the concept made sense, but yeah. the product didn't. Yeah. And huh. two years later, we did a larger trip under a, sa- a similar grant. Uh-huh. And that trip was 700 miles through the Brooks Range. Mm-hmm. And we had the same experience oh, the, the same boats, same experience.
1: Uh, these grants were supposed to be useful, huh? Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> I guess in a roundabout way, it became that way.
0: So Thanks I too. came back from those trips basically saying, I love the idea, but the product doesn't work. It doesn't work at all. Like, you know, we're, we were young and tough, but, you know, you're risking your life. It's cold and mm. the boats can fail. Yeah, And that's where mom jumps in because she had a, history as an outdoor clothing designer and as a kayaker, and she's like, well, let's make a better one. Hmm. I'm like, I don't know how to make a boat. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: (laughs) Yeah, he actually, um, it was pretty funny because he came, when he came back from that trip, um, he shipped the boat from the village of Kobuk, and one of the things that happens in Alaska, there's a thing we call bush mail, and in bush bypass mail, things can come in five days or five months. You just, you, you never know where it goes. And this boat did the tour of all <laughs> northern Alaska. It probably took it well over a month to, um, to get to us. And the reason that was important is that I opened this package, you know, it's been in the mail for over a month. It is mm. still this sopping wet mess.
1: Wow. What was this a boat?
2: Uh, it was it was what was left of this. this oh, wow, trailboat. wow. He, he had shipped the... Uh, they actually had a finishing point that they swapped out the the little trail boats they were using with mm-hmm. some uh, with some larger boats and floated down the Kobuk River, and then they shipped hmm. these boats home yeah. from the village. And so a month later, this boat shows up at home, and I unpack this thing, and it's this... This boat had left at three and a half pounds. When it came... When we unloaded that boat, it was close to 15 pounds. Wow, that's
1: all water. That was yeah. patches. Oh, patches. Oh, wow. Water
2: between the two of them. So... There was nothing but patches.
1: Yeah. So when you... Took that boat, then you had it. Was that the model that you used, the template you used to create no, something better?
2: It became what I did at that point. Uh, he, and, and he literally, Thor got back from work and this thing is unloaded and he looks at me and he says, Mom, build me a boat. Hmm. But I had been for many years previous, I had a business custom making ski clothing. And the only difference with a boat versus, honestly, you know, a ski suit, something yeah, like yeah. that, is inflation. A pattern's hmm. a pattern. Huh. you know three-dimensional yeah, yeah. You, you put a sleeve in a coat yeah uh you make a tube for a boat sure it's still
1: well, it's well how many how many drafts did you go well, through before you came to that,
2: that's where we uh thor and i sat down yeah he gave me his wish list yep i i i, I pumped him i said tell me what you want what would you
1: mm-hmm. change mm-hmm. how close was the first boat you felt like this is what we meant to design how close was it to what it ultimately became before when you sold it.
0: My memory may be a, a little wrong here, and I don't necessarily remember some of the the non boat iterations. Mm-hmm. You know, we were uh, literally trying to make them out of like shower curtains and duct hmm. tape just to get a <laughs> sense yeah, of yeah, yeah. You know, well, and well size. you're, you're prototyping
1: you as inexpensively and quickly shower as you can, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Wow.
0: But there were probably a number of those varieties mm-hmm. that I don't remember that well. Yeah. But the first boat we ever made actually worked really well. Hmm. And so when we took the Sevler trail boat, we weren't trying to replicate that, but it did give us a sense of size, sure. like how big a boat and
1: volume made. of the of the tubes you're filling. Yeah. That
0: was we knew yeah. what was wrong with that. Boat. Ah, so we went yeah, for a yeah. much bigger yeah. volume yeah. so we would have more flotation, and mm-hmm. less water over the bow. Yeah. Yeah. The
2: yeah. mistake we had, not mistake, but uh, out of looking back on those first designs, the concept was right. Mm-hmm. We had the length too short. Hmm. The first two boats there went. There was a red and a blue one that you yeah. showed in that thing, and they we made them the length of the Sevler. Hmm. But when you put the big tubes all around and did other things, it you You're just swashed. if you got hmm. well hmm. you just got back ended. Huh. Go over a big so, wave and oh, you know oh. it's like being in a little inner tube. Thing. Sure. So S- the it really was. Quite close. It was just too
1: short. So there wasn't really okay. There, you, you weren't using CAD drawings and des- and engineering <laughs> to create up. this, right? Don't yeah. So you were basically like, oh, okay, but we, it's team. not long enough. Yeah, let's yeah. make it longer. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's we want it to stay afloat better. So let's make the tubes it bigger. Very yep. and, and that's it. And yeah. and and you still right? You're not designing that way now. No.
0: No. We still design yeah. um, all by all by hand.
1: So when you were designing. Mm-hmm. Were you trying to make a boat for Thor and his like-minded few buddies, or were you actually trying to make a consumer product?
2: I was, you know, honestly, when I design, I never think consumer. I think, what's the best thing I can make? Hmm. And then when I get that done, I look at it and say, is that something somebody would buy?
1: Hmm. What about you, Thor?
0: Um, I, at the time, I was wanting... A boat for me That's yep. all I care about If I mm-hmm. got a boat for me To do these trips mm-hmm. And if you look at The evolution of the product Over 19 years now Yeah Today It's it's hardly recognizable hmm. Still the same class of craft yeah. We still make boats That hark back To the original mm-hmm. Yeah But people are using um, Their Their proper Full Fully capable Whitewater river Yeah Lake boats
1: Yeah Well Here's what uh, What I wonder about is They're so lightweight Mm-hmm you know they weigh anywhere from five to ten, twelve pounds, depending yep. on the one you get, right? And so you can backpack with it. But how can something that lightweight be able to be used on a rough river? That's what magic I. Magic fabric. Is it a ma- <laughs> Is that what? Is that the it secret? Is it a magic fabric?
0: There's a couple of things going on there. And just to back up for a um, in terms of thinking about the consumer versus not. She, yeah. Very much, she's right. She she does not think in terms of necessarily the consumer side of things. But that is when we work together that's a lot of my focus she'll mm-hmm. come up with radical out there new ideas mm. make and make them yeah. and back, then I come right. back and I'm like who's going to want this yeah. or, or, <laughs> or sometimes something might work great and I'm like I'm sorry that's way too ugly we can't, <laughs> yeah. we can't sell that product yeah. so I, do, I think about yeah. that a lot in terms mm-hmm. of um, in the business role well. hmm. but in terms of durability we've got a couple of things going on um, it is a lightweight fabric, and if you just were to cut it with scissors and try to tear it, it's it, they do tear fairly easily. But what you have is it's a low pressure inflatable with urethane, and urethane is very slick. Hmm. So in a, in a river environment, when that hits just, a rock, it skids off. It skids it just, off, it uh, and mm-hmm. because it's low pressure, it deforms around it. Huh. And, and so we've been experimenting. I've been experimenting with using higher pressures in the boats because we mm-hmm. have a we have a higher pressure valve known so we could add a lot mm-hmm. of air pressure to the boat.
1: Well, like I uh, we, we've got some inflatable uh, stand up paddle boards yeah, that I, take 12 to 15 pounds okay. of pressure. Yeah. The paddle board Weighs twice at least what yep. your boat weighs, or five weighs.
0: times as much. Maybe
1: yeah. it's really a pain to lug around, but it has a great amount of rigidity, which right. is what you need, right? But you don't need that amount of rigidity in in a it's boat. A,
0: it's a trade-off. Yeah. So we're um, we're inflating them to mouth pressure, which is as about much one, as you can blow, and on, was one yeah. and a half to two. I can, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. in a in the studio environment, I could probably hit about two and a half, quarter, two and a half. <laughs> but on the river, yeah. I'm in the high ones, mm-hmm. and most people are in you know 1.3 to 1.5. That's the
1: most pressure you can get.
0: Wow. That, wow. Or that's the most yeah. practical pressure yeah. that they're yeah. getting. If they really got mm-hmm. on the side of the river after cooling the boat down and really mm-hmm. went at it, yeah, they yeah. could get higher. But mm-hmm. Usable pressure is very nice at one and a half. Hmm. You get performance advantages as you trend Mm -hmm. up. Like, I will go to the Whitewater Park and use a a floor pump and pump a boat up to three PSI to Mm -hmm. test Mm -hmm. its performance. And there are performance advantages. But carrying that pump in the backcountry isn't practical. And in the backcountry with a three PSI boat, if you hit a sharp rock, that's the difference between a 12-inch hole and hitting it at one and a half PSI and not having a hole at all.
1: Wow. So... First, I'm going to take a quick break and remind listeners: this is ProCo 360. I'm your host Dave Tabor, and this is the show featuring entrepreneurs who could be successful anywhere and choose Colorado. In this episode, I'm speaking with Thor Tingey, CEO of Alpaca Rafts, and Sherry Tingey, the founder and mother of the CEO. And it's time to uh, thank our great sponsors: Community Banks of Colorado, Microstar Keg Logistics, and Kinsley Meetings. These great service companies support Colorado businesses and entrepreneurs and they support this show. Thanks also to the Colorado Chamber of Commerce for its support for me and Proco 360. So getting back to this process, because I want to move on past that quickly, at what point did you realize you had a product that you could sell to consumers?
2: You know, I'd I'd like to back up for just one sec. When you asked me about um, what was I thinking when I was designing that Mm -hmm. first, Actually, rather than thinking of building it for Thor or building the best, at that point, because I was a boater, I looked at these boats and went, wait a minute, you could run really fun stuff with this mm, boat mm-hmm. if you did it right. I I I knew I took what he was telling me, I took what the other people told me that they didn't like, but none of them had a concept of what could you do with mm-hmm, this boat? Mm-hmm. And that's what I was aiming for mm. from the beginning. That's
1: cool. And so really you're you're creating the opportunity yep. to have a niche that's much broader. Well oh, totally the niche is the same but the audience the consumer yeah. base yeah. all of a sudden is yeah. is a broad consumer base so when
2: when we first sold boats and actually for the first few years it is still somewhat true but definitely for the first several years we didn't sell to boaters hmm. we sold to backpackers yeah. hikers yeah, yeah. Fighters, yeah. Interesting. climbers. climbers. They weren't water
1: people. Adventure people. Yeah, adventure yeah. people.
2: And those two paths don't always cross.
1: So how many units, because I, I want to transition into the business piece now. Mm-hmm. How many units did you sell, like your first year that you would say you were in business, the second year, the third year? Like
2: 175 my first
0: year.
1: Really? That's actually a bigger number than I expected. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah,
0: I know that number. I, and yeah. there was kind of this core, and, yeah. and, and that actually comes from two places. Yeah. There was this core Small core group of Alaskans who have been doing it, mm. and they were like, "I need a boat." Yeah, and yeah. then there were their friends that weren't doing it, but suddenly mm. they were like, "Now well, they you saw gotta come packrafting me. I got a real boat now." Now they saw an opportunity. Yeah. And, wow! And, and then it kind of snowballed a little bit from there. And then I believe the first year we ended up, it, fortunately, it the Eco Challenge put packrafting. In, oh even it was a brand new yeah! Sport. So we were able to. We, we were sitting on this bunch of inventory, and then suddenly Eco Challenge, and all sold. It wow. really started
1: us. Wow! Yeah. yeah. That's amazing.
0: And then it was – for the last – for all 19 years, it's actually been slow organic growth Mm -hmm. all the way through. It is – we've been really fortunate not to have mass growth spikes Mm -hmm. or declines. Yeah. Uh, Because I don't know – I don't know that we could handle, you know, a, a doubling in a mm-hmm. year. I, we don't have the people. Yeah.
2: Honestly, I don't. Particularly for a smaller company, you don't want to wish what happened to paddleboarding on anybody. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. so hard to maintain your quality when that kind of growth just, ex, you know, they explode. Wow. But no, it's
1: not good. So you don't, you don't really want that kind of growth.
2: Not that kind of explosive growth. You want to grow, but you want to grow that you can control your quality. Yeah.
1: How much of your growth is based on, and and I've been to your website, you've got Mm -hmm. beautiful photos of all the various Mm -hmm. models uh, you have in different sizes. And then, of course, you can configure your own based on what you'd like. So how much of your growth would you say is because the niche or the audience has grown versus your growth based on adding new products and new options and things like that? Mm
0: -hmm um i would say the majority of growth is because the audience and then new products is probably about i don't know just to throw in a number on it maybe 30 percent of growth Mm. is is from new products people do wait for the for the new products Mm -hmm. but the audience does grow and it's it's it is a little bit of a snowball effect and you know people see it grow, but it's been it's still maintained nice and steady growth and I think it really depends on your business plan or your business goals. Whether you want mm-hmm. a lot of growth or not, mm-hmm. there are a lot of business goals where you need growth fast in order to stay competitive. Yeah, or or, or to reach what you're in.
1: That's a really good point because you've got competitors, although not too yeah. many. Um, most are in that you know uh, there there are a couple of competitors I can yeah, and, find online at the high end.
0: Yeah, and oh, and even at the high, we really. Position ourselves at the premium, high end, mm-hmm. most aspirational product on the market. Yeah. And most of our competitors are in the more affordable price point mm-hmm. category. I won't say entry level, they're not entry level, but but it's the difference between, you know, if you go to REI, you can buy great outdoor gear at REI, yeah. but they don't care that. Carry the highest end stuff mm-hmm. from Arc'teryx and Patagonia and the other high end mm-hmm. out- outdoor yeah. brands. They carry stuff that you can go on a backpacking trip and have a great time.
1: Sure, and and to be clear, your your boats are selling anywhere from a thousand to twenty five hundred dollars.
0: Uh, Seven hundred to mm-hmm. twenty five hundred. Yeah.
1: yeah, and and at each of those price points, regardless of which one you're you're at you've got competitors that are less expensive. Yes. And, and so how, what do you do in a, uh, to position yourselves as the premium, most aspirational brand?
0: We focus on a couple of things. One is definitely Made in USA as a factor. I, I don't think it's as much of a factor to the end consumer as the overall quality of the product. Mm-hmm. And w- since we're mostly a direct-to-consumer company, mm-hmm. we're able to put out a higher quality product at the price point so you might pay 10 to 15 maybe 20 percent more for our boat but the value of the boat Mm -hmm. you're getting is much higher because we don't have multiple margins built into it
1: wow so that that actually that's really it makes sense although it means that for you to grow customers have to find you or you have to go find them and pull them in versus yep. find them online or whatever. Although I, I, I was disappointed. I did a search for, for alpaca rafts online and Amazon came up with your competitors. Yes. But that's what they do. That's what they do. And, and of course your website came up too. Yep. But I would think that having your rafts at an increasingly frequent visibility kind of thing, like uh, I own a, a Tapui rooftop tent. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, you start seeing them sooner than, and, and people. I mean, the demand is just growing organically. Sherry, happens. you're nodding, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. No, that's what happens, and that's what happens with our product. People, many times, people will buy one of the other boats, and a couple years later, they come back and buy an Alpaca. It's buying. Hmm. It's like buying. As Thor says, it's not entry level, but you know, you buy you buy the bike. That well, I'd like this bike, but I really don't want to put the money out. I'm going to buy. Three hundred dollars cheaper, and two years later, you go. Why did I do that? Mm-hmm. We get, we get a lot
1: of that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. And and you will get, you you know, it's similar to cars sometimes where you'll also get the you get a longer lifespan yeah. mm-hmm. and you get a better resale yeah. value. Yeah, you can sell a sure. four-year-old alpaca for eighty percent of its original value. Really? Yeah.
1: Wow. <laughs> we'll talk more about brand building because I. I Saw in, on Instagram people really posting beautiful, proud photos of these incredible settings they're in, <laughs> in their rafts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean I, that must make you proud and happy.
0: It it, it really does, and I think one of the things that we've tried to stay true to is, you know, if you follow the outdoor industry right now, the outdoor industry has grown tremendously, especially in the oh last gosh, decade. Yeah, yeah. Outdoor and the better. high end, it's yeah. crazy. Um, and a lot of that has been in, in lifestyle. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, it's mm-hmm. great that people want to pursue an outdoor lifestyle. Yeah. But we've stayed much stronger towards saying, we want the dedicated, passionate user. Function. And so we we tr- are promoting and trying to see people using PacRest where they're the, mm-hmm. at their best. And I think getting people out in the backcountry and they get out there and they get on a boat and suddenly they're floating mm-hmm. down a river and they mm-hmm. think it's cheating. They're just you know, they doing this. And it puts a smile yeah. on their face. Yeah. and makes them happy. And then they and and they end up becoming advocates for the sport and advocates for the brand because they, mm-hmm. it, it delivers an experience that they've never had before.
1: That's so cool. Uh, listeners, this is Proco 360. I'm your host, Dave Tabor. This is the show featuring entrepreneurs who could be successful anywhere and choose Colorado. I'm speaking with Thor and Sherry Tingey of Alpaca Red. Drafts. Go to Proco360.com to subscribe to the newsletter, read my blog, and catch the books I'm listening to on Audible. And please, please rate Proco360 in your podcast app. So, you've invented some really cool. You you got this base product, and and really, it sounds like the first raft you created and sold. That really is the still the soul of everything you're producing going forward, right? It is
0: absolutely, and and, and I've actually got a story about that because we we've been making that model for 19 years, and huh. it's evolved a lot. Yeah, and it first started out and the first one we made we called it the Yukon yak <laughs> and then we made a longer one we called it the Denali llama and then we made a shorter one and we called it the alpaca without the K <laughs> and that was and we sold the alpaca the yak and the llama for 15 years under those names and then in 20. Sixteen, we kind of had like 12 boats in the lineup. Hmm. And I'm like, well, a bunch of these boats are actually, they're just different sizes of the same boat. So let's rename these three the Alpaca Series. And, you know, we mm-hmm. had kind of yeah. a yeah. consumer education trying hmm. to get people to rename them. And then fast forward three years from now, and then in 2019, we kind of came out with a new, more advanced hull shape, and we wanted that to stay in the Alpaca Series. And we said, well, what are we going to name this <laughs> Boat that we've been making for fifteen years, and we renamed it the Classic, hmm. and it really is that feel to yeah. kind of like harken back to the original intent of pack rafting, mm-hmm. and it's still the boat we sell the most of, wow. and it's the boat that you can do the most with. It's the most practical. If somebody calls hmm. and just says, "I don't know what I want," you've got three hundred or five hundred options on the website. Yeah. Just get a Classic, and you'll you'll and they'll be happy. You'll be happy.
1: Wow, that's cool. And so, what is the, is, is there a process for inventing? New boats? Do you decide we need something to solve this particular problem that we're not solving already, or do Sometimes. people? Yeah.
0: Yes, I would say there is a process. There's, it's, and it's a collab, it's a collaborative process. We do get some customer feedback mm-hmm. and kind of and from from wants and from just us seeing, like you mentioned, going on Instagram or something, mm-hmm. and we'll start to see people using boats for a certain kind of trip, and we'll go, hmm. What they're doing now with them we isn't... We can make
2: a better boat. We can mm. make
0: a better boat for that isn't use. Isn't that interesting? We'll think through that use. So they may not be calling us saying, mm. I want the boat to be this, this, and that, but yeah. we're seeing what they're doing and thinking, well, if I was doing that and I could make any yeah. boat I wanted, yeah. I might make something different.
1: Well, people are relying on you then for successful experiences. So Absolutely. how much testing goes into a boat, a new product before you release it? And I mean, you don't have scientific testing labs, so what do you do?
0: It's all field use, and there are some principles that we apply to it. Fortunately, we've been building boats using virtually the same manufacturing methodology for well over a decade now. So if we want to build a new boat, the shape may be different, Mm -hmm. but we're not concerned whether, oh, is the seams going to hold up? But
1: can't the shape change how it impacts a rock that would impact the seam?
0: A little bit, not that much. Sherry's like, no, she's shaking her head. Somewhat, somewhat. It'd be pretty minimal. So so we may spend less time focusing on, oh, is this shape going to hold up. We're focusing on how is it going to paddle, and we mm. can determine yeah. that Really, quickly.
1: So it, the structural aspect of it is consistent from one yeah. to the next such that you really
0: don't worry about? That being said, sure we like, oh. have, yes, but we have tested, we haven't released any yet, but over the last several years, we have tested a n- number of different methods of manufacturing that are mm. a boat that would look radically different and use mm. new styles of manufacturing that are significantly different. And those we would want to have w- well over a year of heavy field use to yeah. get a sense of, is yeah. this going to hold up?
1: Yeah. So you, you've both gone, Sherry, you've gone from someone who made ski clothing to mm. someone who sewed the first alpaca raft and Thor, you've gone from a guy that just wanted to use a raft to being CEO of the company, right? So are you different? in how you approach business now than you were 20 years, 18 years ago when this whole thing started?
2: Uh, yes, somewhat. Uh, you know, when Alpaca started, um, Thor and I, after working, he was just out of college, and I was at what point where I was trying to start this business mm. again. Mm. We had very different needs, and in, in, in a short of a sentence, somebody right out of college, he needed to go grow up And I needed to figure out how I could make a successful business again. And he went off and became a lawyer. And it was probably the best training he'd ever have for coming back because he ended up in bankruptcy. Uh, Not his bankruptcy, but as a bankruptcy lawyer. Uh. So he was dealing with businesses who didn't know how to make it right. Mm -hmm. While I was slowly, at, at that stage in my life, starting Alpaca, I didn't have money to just go, oh, I can, you know, throw this money. Let's right. try this. Let's try that. Yeah. Right. I, I had to be very careful how I did it. I, I knew I couldn't afford to fail. Um, and so I was growing slowly. And how that business ran, it's not that we've changed a lot, but that the business, when Thor and Sarah came on, three years ago.
0: Four. Yeah. Four
2: years mm. ago now. Alpaca had been sort of waiting for them the last couple of years. I'd reached that point mm-hmm. where it went from being this quite small company yeah. to that next level. And that next level, you mm. need a lot more business. Mm-hmm. And that's what they've brought.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah I, So
2: it did change them.
0: Yeah, and 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 for me, coming out of college, I got I had a biology degree. Mm-hmm. So I had no business experience. Yeah, yeah. But well, the one thing that I've had since I was a little kid is an incredible passion for product. So she is focused oh. <laughs> on design. She wants to design new things constantly. And I've, I, you know, as a 20-year-old, I, you know, like a catalog in my head, knew virtually every outdoor product made mm. in the climbing, fly fishing, backpacking, boating world. Mm. Um, I, I just... I go into outdoor stores and I pick through things and I I know that stuff really well so I had the interest in the industry but then going off and spending nine years as an attorney brought me more experience in just the overall business world so I was much better prepared coming back to Mm. it in terms of understanding the the business side that I needed Mm. but the product was never going to be a difficult element for Mm. me And one little funny thing that, you know, sometimes people ask about success as a small business. And I think there's a huge difference between finding success as a small business and a mid-sized business than there is to a large business. Huge. In a large business, you need MBAs, you need really, like, technically intelligent people to, like, figure out complex systems to help grow the business and keep what it is. In small business, a lot of that stuff you can you can have an mba from harvard and it doesn't mean that you can be a successful small businessman even though you could probably be a very successful upper level manager at amazon or something like that in small business i've watched more successful small businesses succeed because the people in ownership have a dedicated passion yep beyond money to a specific thing and they're willing to put in the hours of work that it takes to do that and the other stuff kind of just comes along with their business it doesn't mean they're all successful but more often than not Mm -hmm. the successful ones have that
1: that's a great that's a great way to define it yeah hey how has being in Mancos Colorado affected your business good bad challenges easy
2: for the most part really good
0: it is. Uh, I think it's been fantastic. Yeah. Um, sp- being in a small rural town it does have some challenges. Um, you know, we have a smaller labor labor pool to pull from. Yeah. But on the other hand, you find great people. They stay with you for a long time because they want to. Everybody that's there, they want to live in Mancus They mm-hmm. want to be in the area, and yeah. so we provide them with a great job, and they're happy. And I, and that's really really nice. And then mancus is more off the beaten path than Durango. So capital costs are a big deal for a small manufacturing yeah, business. Yeah. So we can afford more in Mancos than we can in a more popular small town. Sure, sure. Um, The big challenge, honestly, for me as, as CEO is there are other businesses on the West Slope and we know them, but there's not a big network of manufacturing businesses around for yeah. us to connect with other CEOs manufacturing mm-hmm. and one of our paddle so we sell third-party paddles sure one of the paddle companies that we buy from there in Wisconsin and their CEO came o- over and, and met with us and a great guy and he basically said one of the huge advantages that they find in Wisconsin, is that there are a lot of small manufacturers in the area, so they have that collaborative spirit. Yeah, because when yeah. you've got them next door and they're yep. not in the exact same industry, you can go over sure. and say, "How are you dealing with this yeah. like supply thing?" Or "How is your shop set up?" Yeah. Or "What software are you using to run this?" And there's a lot of that. You feel like you're a bit spirit. on an island sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah. But there's m- actually more manufacturing over in the West Slope of Colorado than you think.
1: Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah. Well, as we wrap up, I mean, you've gone down this journey a long way, and um, I've made a sign almost like going down a river. So, <laughs> you know, you, you learn things the hard way. You uh, you learn from experience. What what have you done? What have you learned from? From which you feel proudest? What have I learned from? I feel proudest.
2: For me, it's. The joy that I see people have using this boat and the reality that I built a boat that, you know, in our repair department, we're seeing first-year boats come back. People, you can, right, when I first started playing with the boats, my goal was to build a boat that would last for 20 years. I don't Mm. want to see it end up in a landfill. And we've made that. Hmm. And so that, yeah, Hmm. that's what I'm most proud of.
1: That's really cool. What about you, Thor?
0: For me, it's unquestionably the originality of it. We didn't invent packrafting. I'll never make that claim, but it was a like the smallest of unknown sports out there. But rather than you know jumping into an existing large industry and just being like, oh, we're going to be the next manufacturer of you know waterproof, breathable jackets, Hmm. ground up. When we started, there was nobody commercially making these things, Hmm. and we've turned it into a new sport, and that feels really exciting.
1: That's amazing. Well, let's wrap up there. All right, I'm your host Dave Tabor, and today on ProCo 360, you've been listening to my conversation with Thor and Sherry Tingey. uh, the founders, the creators of Alpaca Raft. It's been great fun talking to you. What a great Colorado success story.
0: Thank you so Thank much. You.
1: Yeah, I'm glad you made it. I'm glad you made it even with <laughs> car trouble. <laughs> Listeners, thanks for joining me on ProCo 360, where we say, live, work, love Colorado, because you and I and my guests can be successful anywhere and choose Colorado. You make the show successful by subscribing to the ProCo 360 podcast and submitting a review. Thanks again to show sponsors, MicroStar Keg Logistics. Community Banks of Colorado, Kinsley Meetings, and the Colorado Chamber of Commerce. And a final thanks to my friends here at 92.9, The Point Studio in Durango. They're hosting me here. That's the show. Live, work, love Colorado.